0: what's up freedom chasers if you are looking to learn how to leverage relationships and get more referrals coming your way so you don't have to spend all day pounding the phones we have the show for you today our guest is making multiple six figures a year exclusively working through relationship building and she's going to show us how to do it right now. Welcome to the Freedom Chaser's Six Figure Strategies podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. Meet Crystal Brady with Homeward Real Estate. She's a local real estate agent and expert in the greater Tampa Bay area. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> She's a local real estate agent and expert in the greater Tampa Bay area. She's also an investor who owns four long-term rentals and is building her own cabin for her first short-term rental. Um, Crystal, thank you so much for joining us today. I'd love to kick this one off with a story because you built your business largely based on events. Um, So let's talk about the first event you did and how that one went.
1: Yes. Okay, great. Events are so special to me. They definitely have been something that has transformed over time. So I years ago, I wasn't really running my business like a business. I was like many new real estate agents, just sort of going through the motions, trying to find clients, doing a couple open houses. Like, and I had found some success, you know, through some of the traditional things, but I knew pretty early on that I was not a cold caller or one that could really work expireds or FSBOs. I'm not real salesy. So it was really hard for me. I just knew that those things weren't gonna work for me. And I was listening to some real estate coaches talk about events and I thought, you know, that could be something that I could do. So I decided to do my first event And I was terrified. I picked a local bar and restaurant to do a happy hour. I was just trying to keep it simple. Like, let's just get past clients together, do a happy hour and see what happens. You know? So I went to a restaurant, I spoke to the manager, told them my plan. They were really merciful (laughs) and they knew that I was struggling and kind of nervous. And they thought what I was doing was really cool. So they offered me some really great promotions, great pricing, gave me kind of like the whole bar area. They were really kind to me. So it, it seemed like it was going to be an affordable concept for me at that time. But I was still really nervous so i solicited the help of sponsors to help me pay for my first event i went to people that i have been working with for years home inspectors title company insurance agents people i had been giving business to for a while and this was their chance to help me and they all were really amazing and they really stepped up to the plate they donated um, and committed you know, quite a bit of money to my first event, which was great, but I still didn't know how many people were gonna come or how much it would cost. So there was a big fear factor there because you think like, what if nobody comes? And then you think, what if they all come? And I have this outrageous bar tab that I really can't afford right now, right? So there was definitely a lot of anxiety, but I marketed the event. I invited probably 50 people and I padded the numbers a little. I made sure my parents were there, some of my friends, and I even invited two couples that were friends of my parents. And these were people that had known me since I was a child and you watched me grow up and things like that, but I really just invited them. So my parents would have company, you know, somebody to socialize with. And again, kind of pad the numbers, you know? So I, I sent the invites out and I did paper invitations. I did emails. I did calling and texting and really tried to put the word out and I had pretty good turnout. So I I definitely had probably about 30 or 40 people that came, a lot of clients that I had closed a while ago that I hadn't connected with in a while. And a few interesting things happened from this first event. Not only was it a success, and most of it was paid for by my sponsors, by the way, which was great and a huge relief for me, but two really cool things happened. The first thing that happened is those two couples I mentioned that I invited that were friends of my parents actually did do business with me after that event. And I don't know if you know how hard it is when someone has only viewed you as a child and then they don't look at you as a professional in your industry or certainly an expert in your industry, but I think I got a lot of street cred when they saw all these people show up that I had sold houses to. So it sort of gave me that instant, oh, like she is good at real estate and she does sell a lot. And then when they had real estate needs, they came to me. And I actually did multiple transactions with each of those couples. So And, and they have become amazing, loyal clients and advocates for me and have given me referrals. So That was sort of an accidental move on my part that was eye-opening because I literally just invited them thinking I was sort of padding the numbers and I never expected anything to come out of them. But that really showed me that business can come from anywhere and you really do need to network as much as possible and invite everybody to these events that you can think of because anybody could be a potential new client. So that was one thing that was cool that happened the other thing that happened was also an accident. I'm just accidentally learning all kinds of things through this process. I put on my paper invitation the you know the location and the time and all the things of this event. And I sat on there hosted by Crystal Brady, your favorite realtor, trying to be cute. And then at the bottom of the invitation, I said, bring a friend who needs a realtor. And I didn't think anything of it. I honestly just wrote it and people showed up and brought friends that needed a realtor to this event. I I am so serious. Like I closed probably 3 or 4 deals from that first event. And it was so cool. My one past client showed up and said, "Oh, Crystal, so great to see you. This is Kevin. Kevin is going to be buying a house." And so we you know, we brought him. And ever since that event, every event that I have posted since then, I didn't need to tell people bring a friend that needs a realtor after the first couple of times because they started to learn the formula. Crystal has a party. We start finding people that need to buy or sell a house and we bring them. Or they would say to me, hey, do you mind if I bring so and so to the event? I always say yes. Anytime they want to bring anybody. Of course, everyone gets a plus one to parties, right? But I will give them a plus five if they're going to bring me new people to introduce me to. And that's what I've learned over time. So I, I, there was a lot of learning experiences from that first event, which really sent me in that direction. Once I saw how it went and the results that I could achieve from it, I said to myself, I need to do events. And that's how it started.
0: Thank you so much for telling me that story. Um, I'm actually really excited because you managed to do so many things right the first time. Um, I'm second generation, so I could totally relate to you where um, people don't understand who you are because they've known you your whole life. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like having an open house with 50 people in it, right? It just gives you instant authority and it gives people – the idea that you absolutely know exactly what you're talking about because why else would 40 people come to listen to you talk right so right. absolutely tremendous another thing you did really well is the clear the very clear call to action at the end there bring a f- friend that needs a realtor um when you tell people to do stuff you can surprise a lot of times they just do it um
1: <laughs> yes it's amazing
0: <laughs> yeah so so very cool and also you got sponsors so you didn't have to pay for the whole thing
1: Absolutely. And so an interesting thing about the sponsors is, like I said, these are people that I had been doing business with for years prior. I had given them a lot of business. The the people that will sponsor you as a real estate agent are usually people that you've been helping them make money for a while. Title companies, home warranty companies, insurance agents, lenders. There's tons of real estate related professionals in our industry that we'd work directly with. So I call those people my business partners. That's what I call them. I recommend them a lot of business, and I'm very loyal to them. And so when I needed them, they were really there for me. And it kind of got to the point where When I would host future events, I would invite them because I wanted them to be there, whether they sponsored or not. They're just they're part of my business. They know a lot of my past clients. And again, it's just that networking aspect. I learned a lot from the first one that networking with everybody is beneficial. So they started coming to me and saying, oh, I see that you're doing casino night, or I see that you're doing this or that. um, How can we help you? And they were offering to sponsor without me even having to ask. And at at a certain point, I stopped accepting their help because now I do so many events. I'm not going to be abusive to my business partners in expecting them to pay for everything all the time. So I'm footing the bill a lot these days, but that's okay because I am almost 100% referral based at this point, making, you know, six plus figures. And I spend probably 20 to $25,000 a year hosting events. And but that's all my marketing. I don't spend another dime on marketing anywhere else. For the most part, I don't pay for leads and I don't pay for expensive marketing things. So that is my marketing budget. And the rate of return I get on that is phenomenal. So it works for me.
0: Absolutely, and the beauty of it is because you're 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 giving value first to these referral partners, and you're giving them tremendous value because now you're not even answering for sponsorships anymore. I can guarantee you, they they feed you business all the time.
1: They do, and it's interesting. My insurance agent, obviously as an insurance agent, she knows hundreds of real estate agents, and she knew that I was a good agent. She knew I did a lot of business. She can tell by all of the business I'm sending her, right? But when it came time for her to sell her house, she chose me to list her house. And that was a huge honor because she had probably easily another hundred choices of other people she could have gone to for that. But I firmly believe that not only because I give her business, but because I invited her to all my events and we became connected on a more personal level, through constantly attending events together and seeing each other. You know, our family started to connect. You know, we started getting together and forming like a a real friendship. And that kind of came out of my events. And it also gave me an opportunity to do business with her, which was amazing and a huge honor that she would choose me when she has so many choices.
0: Absolutely. T- people tend to like you more the more often you communicate with them and the more often you're spending time with them. So if you're hosting events often and, and she tends to go there a lot, guess what? Um, she's probably going to gain some affinity towards you. So I'm loving this story. Um, let's yeah. talk about the evolution of these events because they're the driving force of your business now. We've talked about event number one. What kind of events mm-hmm. are you doing nowadays?
1: So I do a lot of different events but i try to keep some of them the same every year so my clients know what to expect. so one of the things i do pretty much on an annual basis is top golf. it's a great event. i usually do it on a sunday afternoon when people are kind of having downtime. it's i pick a nice time of year when it's not too hot. it's kid friendly, most people really enjoy it and it's easy. You just have to write the check and Top Golf really does everything. They do the food and the entertainment and all of that. So that event's pretty easy. It's kind of expensive because Top Golf is not cheap, but my clients really enjoy it and they, they do tend to show up for it. I usually end up renting about nine or 10 bays for that. They give me a whole row and I like to be on the upper deck. It's a lot of fun and people look forward to it. So that's a regular event I do. I, I like to do a Christmas party every year. And so I've just kind of rolled that into making it a client-friendly event as well. And so I just I do a big party, I get a photo booth and food and drinks and fire pit out back and s'mores and all kinds of things like that. So that's sort of just like an easy, fun seasonal event um i also for many years did a casino night which is super fun and i want to get back into casino night covid kind of killed casino night i was about to do it and then lockdown happened and i just have it circled back to getting on a regular rotation with that one but i absolutely love casino night my clients love it um i've got a person that i rent tables from so we do craps blackjack roulette And we literally just set up the tables. There's professional dealers. I get a bartender. I do a full open bar, I do a photo booth. I go all out and people love it, but it's also kid friendly. So as weird as that might sound, it's not actual exchange of money. So even the older teenagers and the older kids can kind of like get on the tables a little bit if they want to. And so it's really important that for me, every event I do is family friendly. If the kids can't be there, it's a problem. A lot of my clients have kids. And not everybody can get a babysitter, and it really will deter from your numbers and your turnout if you exclude kids, at least for my clientele and my sphere. So everything I do, even though it might have adult content like booze and things like that, I still always try to also make it kid-friendly. But, yeah, casino night, huge smash. Um, I've also done some specific smaller events like – Have you ever seen those like DIY home decorative signs you can make, like a welcome sign for your front door or something like that? Yeah. So I have a vendor that I'll have come. and, And this is popular with the women, obviously, so it's a little more exclusive, I would say, but I bring everybody together. They get to sign up. There's five or six different designs that they can choose from. They can choose what they wanna make and they're customized with their family name or different things like that. And everybody comes out and we do a workshop together and create signs that they can take home. That one has been wildly popular as well. People take off work and like, you know, rearrange their life so they could be there. That's one of those that people get excited about. So, um, I am going to actually do a sunset cruise and I don't know if you've ever seen, well in in Tampa Gasparilla and pirates are a big theme here. It's a huge parade that we have and we have a giant pirate ship downtown and you can rent it. And I, uh, I actually had it on the books and they, the, uh, the boat had to go into dry dock. So I've had to reschedule that event, but I'm going to do a sunset cruise. I'm going to get all my clients on a gigantic pirate ship, with an open bar and hors d'oeuvres for a two hour sunset cruise, which will also be kid friendly. They have little water cannons that kids can shoot out the side of the pirate ship and stuff like that. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. So we're gonna maybe do that, look to do that in the spring or the fall when it'll be nice weather and a good time of year.
0: Absolutely. I saw that pirate ship. I was there about a year ago. It was very cool. Um, so yeah. I'm loving what you're doing here. You're focusing on entertainment. You're not doing like buyer seminars or things of that nature. You're making sure everybody's having a great time. I would love yes. to get an idea of what you're doing when you're there. Are you focused more so on just um, building the relationship or are you talking a lot of real estate when you're, when you're having these events?
1: It's definitely 100% supposed to be fun. And that is the goal. Because when you make things fun and entertaining, they want to come. And so my clients love casino night because it's cool. And a lot of people don't get a chance to go do that. And I always incorporate giveaways and prizes. So casino night, even though we're not exchanging real money, uh, everyone starts with the same amount of chips. You gamble, you see how well you do. Depending on how well you do will determine how many uh, tickets you get to enter drawings for gift cards and things like that. So you're sort of gambling with a purpose and all of my events, pretty much I'm giving away prizes, trying to do little things like that, fun promo things. Um, so I can kind of get a little bit of the business in there that way. But people love to talk about real estate. My clients love to ask me, how's the market? How's business? I see you've been selling a lot. And, and then they, they take that opportunity to ask me questions as well. So I don't push it. Um, they know what I do they know that I'm their realtor and I'm a cool realtor that has parties and that's how they look at it. They know that they're going to try to recruit people to bring to my parties to introduce me to. So I don't need to really do a lot. It's more like them. They will come to me with that stuff. And they do, they'll say, you know, I've been thinking about getting into an investment property or we might be ready to move up in the next six months. And, and that's when those conversations will come out, but it's very organic and it's not something that I'm trying to project on them. You know, they know who I am and and they know what I do and they love to talk about it because real estate's kind of a fun topic for most people. People love to ask you when you're a realtor, how's the market? And you better have an answer. You better have a one minute, thing you can tell them about what's going on with the current trends, what's happening right now. And it needs to be a positive way you can spin it, even if it's negative, (laughs) you know, and you just have to kind of be prepared for that. And if you're not talking about real estate as a realtor, you're making a mistake. I mean, people, strangers ask me all the time when they find out I'm a realtor, lots of questions. They, how's the market? What's going on? What do you think about this? And I'm going to answer those questions. So I just let them come to me and they do. So that's the great thing about it.
0: I think that's the best way to do it because then you're not coming off as forceful, you know, like one of the things right. like that was really repelling for me is when I got started and everybody's like, just call all your friends and tell them you're in real estate and try to like yes. force it upon them. And I was like, um, I'd rather they just want to do it with me. Right. So, I mean, I let them know as a realtor, obviously, but I'm not going to call my sphere like once a month, like, Hey, I'm a realtor. Do you know anybody that's selling? Or do you know anybody that's gonna buy? It's just it's too forceful for me. I don't want to ruin any relationships that I've already built by getting all sales. Income. So I love the approach that you're taking.
1: Yes. It's so salesy and that what you're saying, what you're describing. And we are told to do that. That's exactly what we're told to do as realtors to prospect for business. And I'm very uncomfortable with that. I I really want to help people. And so I love it when they ask me questions. I want to help them. I want to be there for them, but I don't want to push myself on them. And the events have been a great way to really achieve that goal for me and staying personally connected to people is a huge help it does make them very loyal to you and i i know that they're going to work with me again when it's time for their next move i also know that they're going to refer me when anybody in their life needs to buy or sell in my area so it's a great feeling knowing that i've captured their loyalty because of our relationships and that's what leveraging relationships is all about but it does need to be genuine you know if you don't genuinely connect with people then it's not going to pay off for you and so maybe you should go the other way and be salesy if if you can't have a genuine connection and and leverage relationships in a real way
0: well well hopefully you can right i mean (laughs) that is the part of the business that is like the most important part being genuine um you're absolutely right so i mean obviously you need to be focusing on genuine relationships because that's how you build something with a strong foundation that can grow. If you're just trying to sell something to everybody, it's a repelling type of action. Um, One of the things I love about the events that you're planning is they're not something like a home buyer seminar or something like that. Your events are entertainment based, so they compound over time because the more people you sell houses to, the larger your network is, the more people are invited, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger as time goes.
1: Absolutely. That has definitely happened. And another cool thing about it is the more regularly you do events, the more your clients that didn't know each other before get to know each other. So I've got a lot of different client groups that come to my events and they may not know a lot of other people at my event but some of them do. Some of them have been referred and referred. So there's little groups that kind of know each other, but then there's some that might've been like a reload from out of state or something. So they don't really know anybody, but after they come to three or four of my events, they make friends and then they start to see the familiar faces. And so now everybody's getting along and everybody's becoming friends and the network grows and grows, which is pretty cool.
0: Absolutely. And you had also mentioned that you're doing mailers to your sphere of influence, your sphere of influence. Um, Can we talk about how, that looks because most people are trying to farm a neighborhood or something like that your approach is totally different
1: it is yeah i i don't even really know how it started but i just started sending out just solds and just listed cards to my sphere only and I think the reason it started is because I decided from doing events like, wow, these people are so loyal. I'm just going to keep my communication open with them in every way possible because not everybody comes to your events. Even though you invite them all, some people just don't have that desire to connect with you on that level after a closing. And so when you're sending mailers, at least that's a way that you're still keeping in touch with them, keeping top of mind. And... If I would have six closings in a month, you will get six just sold postcards, which seems excessive and a lot of people don't understand that and why I would do that, especially going to my sphere who might have just bought a house and isn't going to do any real estate business with me, you know, probably for several years at the earliest, right? But this is what I learned. For the people that aren't doing business with me anytime soon, they will text me and go, oh my gosh you are selling so much. I am getting all your cards. Wow. I have even had them take pictures of all my postcards and tag me on Facebook and go, wow, Crystal, and things like that, just trying to be funny. So it's definitely keeping me top of mind for sure. It's you know just putting my phone number and my website and everything out there again. And then I had this one time where I closed this one client, great transaction, really friendly, Guy, we had a a good relationship during the transaction and I would invite him to my events and he never came to any of them. Just wasn't his thing, didn't have a desire to keep in touch on that level, I guess. And that's fine, it's not for everybody, but he was on my list and he would get all my postcards. And about four years went by and he called me out of the blue, we had not talked. I mean, literally never came to any of my things. We never spoke after closing, even though I would try, it just wasn't something that was, he was reciprocating called me out of the blue one day and said, "Hey Crystal, um, been getting your postcards for the last 4 years and I'm ready to sell. So, I'm, you know, I'd like to talk to you about putting my house on the market." And I sold his house, the same one I had sold to him 4 years later. He was moving on. He was kind of consolidating households, had gotten into a new relationship, so needed to sell, just sell the one. And I mean, I don't even know if he had my phone number anymore. You know, like I said, he never came to any of my events or ever responded to anything. But he was getting the postcards every month. So he had my phone number at least from that. And when the time came, he called me up. And, you know, I made thousands of dollars just because I sent him postcards for four years. I guarantee you, if I did not send those postcards, I probably would have never heard from him again. And he would have picked a new realtor and started all over again. So that was a big aha moment for me that this really works. And I'm just going to keep doing it because it gives me notoriety amongst my clients it shows them that I am still a successful agent that sells something every single month and uh, does really well. And I'm, I'm an expert in my industry, so it gives me that credibility, but it also helps me stay top of mind and it helps me keep in touch with the people I might've lost along the way that are choosing not to participate in my events. So it's it's not that expensive, so why not? You know, It's, it's definitely paid for itself and then some.
0: Absolutely. It totally keeps you top of mind. And on top of that, like you said, if they're getting six postcards a month, you know, most realtors sell four to six houses a year. So, I mean, you're obviously totally crushing it in comparison to other people. And it's just a repetitive thing. Like it's something that they become they they come to expect it. Basically, this also works on Facebook. Like you'll be surprised, like the just listed just solds and things like that, even if you get no likes at all. If you wait a little bit of time, all of a sudden you'll start getting messages like, oh, hey, hey, you're doing really good and stuff like that. So just because somebody doesn't call you and they get a postcard or if they see a post on Facebook, it doesn't mean it's not having an effect. So that's something people- That's right. I've
1: definitely had a lot of business and notoriety from social media as well. I learned pretty early on that perception is reality. And I had been selling a lot of houses, but not talking about it on social media. And then as soon as I started talking about it on social media years ago, people were like, wow, you're doing so good good and I'm thinking to myself I've been doing good but they just didn't see it because I wasn't talking about it so while it might be hard for people to toot their own horn it's kind of important in our industry that we do that because people don't think we have any success unless we're showing them that we do have success
0: absolutely 100% agreed um another thing you mentioned you want to talk about was pop by events because that's something that you're also doing differently for most people so I'd I'd love to dive into that a little bit
1: I love pop by visits. A lot of people know what they are that are in real estate. We've been told to do them. I think they can be really effective. I never did them until COVID. So that's kind of an interesting story. I was doing events, doing really great with my events, killing it, you know, forming all these great relationships. And then COVID happened. My casino night was scheduled for May, right before, you know, we shut down here in Tampa for pretty much uh, all of March and April, and we reopened in May, but you know, nobody was doing anything. Nobody was going to events or anything like that. And no one was certainly looking at houses. No one was selling houses or buying houses during that time. That was right when everything sort of started to happen with Covid. So I had to cancel my casino night and all my events for the rest of that year. And it was a long time before I could get back into events. So I was trying to think of what I could do. And I decided to do pop-by visits during COVID. And this sounds weird because obviously people didn't want to be near people and all of that. But it was sort of a genius move because everybody was home. No one, they were, they were forced to be at home, right? So this was literally in the middle of the lockdown. I got gourmet popcorn. And I put a little tag on it, just popping by, you know, a little cheesy Popeye thing or whatever, put my stuff on there. And I just started texting my clients and I said, hey, I, I've i got a little something for you. I'm going to be in the area set Friday afternoon or Wednesday morning or whatever, because I did it geographically. I would, you know, set it up. I'd love to stop by and see you. Don't worry, I'm not gonna try to come inside. We can just stand outside and talk for a minute and I'll drop this off. And people were dying for human interaction during this time and they were all home and they were stuck inside. 100% of the people said, absolutely yes, stop by and see us. All of them were home, so I would ring the doorbell and I'd back up 10 feet and they'd open the door and I'd say, hey, and I'd ask what flavor they wanted and then I'd be like, go long, and I'd throw it to them and we'd stand outside and talk for 10 or 15 minutes and it was great. And then, you know, I would turn around and take a selfie with them way in the background And, you know, we just had a great time with it. And it was so effective. It was a great way to reconnect with people. And so that was the first time I really saw the value of doing Popeyes. So when COVID was over and people wanted to get close again, I obviously resumed doing them. And a lot of agents are taught, hey, you know, we're going to hit 300 houses. We're going to throw this, whatever this item is that we're giving them at the door. And we're going to go because we have so many houses that we're going to. I do strategic pop buys. So I'm not trying to hit a hundred plus homes. I'll pick 20 A list clients that I need to reconnect with or I haven't seen in a while, or maybe they're the ones that don't come to my events. Maybe they're at a time frame where it might be time for them to move again. I'm very strategic about how I do it. And I reach out to them and I tell them I'm coming. I don't just show up because I hate it when people show up at my house. Um, unannounced and uninvited. So I, I send them a text just like I did during COVID. Hey, just thinking about you. I've got a little gift for you. I would love to stop by. I'm actually going to be in your area Sunday afternoon, probably between 12 and four visiting some of my other past clients. Are you going to be home? And a lot of the time they say, yeah, we're going to be home, stop by. And some of them obviously aren't there. And if there's a few that I have to leave at the door, that's fine. And I do that, of course, because I told them I'm going to be in the area. So I leave their gift. I take a picture like Amazon and I text it to them, you know, um, that I that I left them a little something so they know it's there. And But for all the ones that are there, I would say probably about 80 to 90% of the people are home when I strategically do it. And I tell them I'm coming and I give them a window of time. And what happened when I did it the first time post-COVID was that they invited me in. I was end up being there like 30 minutes, you know? They want me to sit down on the couch. They're showing me all of the renovations they've done or telling me about their renovation plans. They're asking me questions about their mortgage statement, just whatever, anything. And so it's just a great time to kind of be a resource for them, answer their real estate questions, but also just catch up with them on a personal level, just like we would do at parties or events. And a lot of the times they would say, you know, I really, I've got to get you to call my coworker or I've got this referral for you. And they just tell you about the referrals. You don't even have to ask. It's amazing. But that's what happens when you've, I've been leveraging the relationships for so long that I don't really have to say it. I just have to show up at this point. And so Popeyes are really fun. I'm always trying to think of cool little gifts and things that I can do for them that would make them happy but i value the FaceTime. i want a pop by with FaceTime, and if it takes 30 minutes it takes 30 minutes you know it is what it is it's just it's about connecting with people for me and so that's my goal with popeyes and it's been really successful
0: yeah and that's what the goal should be for anybody when they're doing something like that focus on the relationship and everything else will grow from it i love how you focus everything that you do is fun you're trying to make everything into a game and that makes people want to spend more time with you. You know, I mean, it's, it's really that simple. The more entertaining you, you make it and you make it very stress-free, you're not pushing anything on anybody. It just makes it so much more likely for things to compound. So it it's clear as day why this is working for you. Thank you so much for showing these strategies to us. We, yeah. This is the Freedom Chasers podcast. So when you do have an investing portfolio, I would like to talk about that briefly real quick um, because you have four long-term rentals and you're building your first short-term now. So tell me how that's going.
1: Yeah, it's man, building is a whole different animal. I've built houses with clients, but sort of in the, um with a large builder where you go to a design center and it's just four hours, you make all your decisions. So this is a custom build that I'm doing. I started out in long-term rentals, which I'm very happy with. I have a great uh, passive income that I get from my long-term rentals, but the long my long-term rental strategy and my margins and the pricing and everything that I'm looking for just hasn't been clicking the last year or two in the Tampa Bay area for me with my formula because of how much prices have gone up. It wasn't making sense for me to continue to invest in that way. So I've been wanting to try short-term rentals for a while. And so I decided that I was going to explore around Asheville, North Carolina. It's an area that I enjoy going to. I'd like this to serve as a potential second home or a place I can visit and enjoy. And I tried to buy an existing home there, but the market there was about as crazy as it is here at that time. I was shopping. It was really difficult to find an existing cabin that I could purchase. So I made the decision to buy land and build. And here we are. We're in the middle of this build. We've got a few months to go. And I've been studying short-term rentals crazy for the last year. I'm excited to get into it. I know that there's a lot of profitability in short-term rentals so i'm thinking this might be the direction that my investing business goes in but of course i need to get this one finished up and running and making some income before i move on to the next one but i definitely love investing it's my long-term strategy for retirement i'd like to have a large portfolio of properties i try to buy one a year and i've been doing that pretty consistently the last four or five years the cabin slowing me down a little bit because until that's up and running, I won't be purchasing my next one until I start to make a profit on that. But um, it's very exciting. Yeah, I, I love long term and short term. I think there's a lot of benefits in both. And I've definitely had a lot of success with them thus far. So we'll see how the short term goes when we get into that.
0: Absolutely. This sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. The short-term slash midterm rental strategy, you'd be amazed what kind of cash flow you could give with that. And Asheville, North Carolina, you you chose a good spot to build because I know a lot of investors that are very heavy in that area. It seems to be growing rapidly. So it sounds like you're going to be in the right direction at the minimum.
1: Um, Absolutely. My goal is to buy them. And systematically pay them down as quick as possible so that I'm obviously creating a larger margin for myself. So there's always a margin that's profitable in every buy that I do, but I don't buy with cash, I buy with mortgages. So, you know, I've got to make sure I've got enough of a spread to make it worth it to start and then i systematically pay them down and my mortgage gets lowered each time i do a lump sum payment because i use a recast and then that makes my spread wider and then i'm making more money that i can then put back into paying it down so i've paid a couple of them off at this point um, and then i still have mortgages on another two or three of them and but the goal is to have them all paid off and just strictly generating that income, you know, when I get to my end game. So, so that's the way I'm going, but the recast is actually a really interesting strategy to paying down your rentals. So, or or any mortgage for that matter, for primary residents as well, I highly recommend people look into recasting their mortgages. It's a great way to, do a large lump sum payment toward your principal and reap the benefit of a lower mortgage because they restructure your loan based on the new lower principal amount. So most of the time when you just pay a big lump sum, you still have that same mortgage payment, right? But with a recast, they're restructuring the loan based on your new lower principal amount. So if you throw 20, 30, 40, 50,000 at it, now that mortgage is coming down, On that lower principal amount which gives you a bigger spread that you can then reinvest into your next recast and just keep paying it down and then you're paying a lot less interest too so your interest is coming way down that way as well so lots of benefits to a recast highly recommend for investors that are mortgaging or primary residents that are mortgaging that want to pay down their house faster and lower their monthly payment at the same time but you have to have at least five thousand dollars or more to apply to that for it to work, you know, and, and, and 5,000 is not quite enough. You really want it to be more than that, but that's the minimum to get you started with the recast if people are going to use that strategy.
0: Absolutely. I love that you explained it because I was going to ask you to just in case anybody listening didn't know. So thank you for jumping in there for me. Um, Crystal, this has been absolutely tremendous. We just hit the new year about three weeks ago. I'm sure you have some big goals for the year. Give me a glimpse into what your vision is for the next 12 months.
1: Yeah, so I am trying to get back into more events again because my events have been, they've been going, but post-COVID, you know, it was hard to ramp back up again. To the level I was at pre COVID. And so one of my goals this year is to definitely ramp it back up again with events, try to do as many as possible and some new events, new ideas. I'm going to go a lot heavier on my Popeye visits to focus more on my relationships as much as I can this year. I am looking forward to really working with as many different people as possible i'm trying to do more social media more uh, videos like i love doing video now I, i used to be so terrified of video and felt like i wasn't good at it but i started a little bit on a youtube channel and just started doing a few videos here and there the last couple years and i've gotten tremendous feedback from my friends and clients about videos so really focusing on videos not just to market myself but really for education So, I love doing education and I also love teaching people about anything real estate related specifically. So, I am the self declared expert in all things real estate, which is sort of my tagline in my videos. It's how I introduce myself. But I, I, so I'll talk about a variety of different topics. And, you know, if I don't know something about that topic, I'll definitely. Get you to the right person, you know, so I want people to learn that they can come to me for everything, because I truly love helping my friends and my clients and everybody that I network with. So I encourage people to come to me so that I can help them. It's not necessarily something I'm going to make money from, but that's just part of. The connection and the relationship you know, that I'm trying to form with people. So I just want to help as many people as I can. So anything real estate related, I tell them to come to me. You need help with insurance? I don't do insurance, but I know insurance people. So I'm going to help you with that insurance. It's not something that always needs to be a paycheck for me. It's just about me helping them because I truly do love helping my friends and family and doing as much as I can for them. In, you know, in whatever capacity I can, whatever I'm capable of doing I, I want to do. So that's something I'm focusing more on this year too.
0: Absolutely, I think you'll do a tremendous job. I would suggest you double down on video because I think you'd be absolutely fantastic at it. So I would say, keep going. You get way more comfortable the more often you do it. Um, absolutely tremendous stuff here. Um, Crystal Brady, if anybody listening wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to do so?
1: Start by my website, which is tampabaybrady.com. And from there, it's going to link to all my socials. And I do need to be clear this was my website before Tom Brady was a buccaneer. Okay. I have been in business longer than Tom in Tampa. So um, my last name is Brady, obviously. And so I went with Tampa Bay Brady. So you can find me on Facebook under Tampa Bay Brady. You can find me on Instagram, Tampa Bay Brady Realtor. Um, And if you just go to tampabaybrady.com, it's going to link to my YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all my socials there. So um, Tom has not called me to ask for my domain yet. So it's still mine at this point. So, uh, yeah, Tampa Bay Brady, that's me.
0: I absolutely love that. I bet you him going to Tampa Bay did not hurt your SEO at all. Um, yes. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, so there you have it, everybody. You know how to reach out to her. Crystal Brady, thank you so much for sharing these strategies with us. And also your rental investments. I'm super excited to see where your career goes. I think you'd be fantastic on video. So I encourage you to keep doing it. Um, thank
1: you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. Crystal just gave you three effective marketing strategies. Choose one of them. Don't do all three at the same time. You might be running in circles. Take massive action on it. Tell somebody you know they can help hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one.